Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again. This is a message of hope and good news for you. Today I'm going to introduce to you our panel. Will Grobler with us today. Welcome, Will. Thank you. Gary. Thank you, Gary, for coming along. Thank you so much, Nick. And Helen. Yes, hello, Nick. Good to be here. I'm very happy to have you with us, guys, and um, today it's a very interesting topic again to discuss, and I will just hand it to our facilitator today, uh, Will. Our topic of discussion today is offerings of gratitude. Part of our stewardship responsibility to God is our offerings to Him, and I think central to our gratitude is a text in John, which I'm going to ask uh, Gary to read, John 3, verse 16. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, uh, we'll really appreciate that. This is probably the most uh, well-known text in the entire, entire Bible. It's the favourite of many people. Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What an absolutely fantastic text. I really appreciate Yes, our God we know is a giving God, don't we, Helen? Um, and this truth is seen most powerfully in the sacrifice of Jesus, that he gave his, uh, God gave his son to die for us all. Our response to that really should be something of gratitude, something of service, should it not? Yes, I believe so, so Will. Uh, when you think about God, you said he is a giving God. Absolutely. The thought comes to my mind. He gives, he gives, he gives, and he keeps on giving. Man, on the other hand, um, tends to get, 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 and keeps on wanting to get. Whereas a follower of Christ will reflect God's character. I think what we're talking about there is very much God as a generous God. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, the Bible study this week, the thing that really stands out to me is the fact that we serve a generous God. And it just seems that God's call to us is actually to be generous people. Generous seems to sort of narrow it in my mind, Gary. I feel like we need to expand on that word. You know, he's he's more than generous, is he not? He is. He, yeah. he, he is. It's almost the, the limitation of uh, of human speech, yes. isn't it? And yet, yeah. I think a word that we can perhaps think about is the word lavish. He lavishes upon us all of his wonderful gifts. And the Luke Luke chapter eleven verse thirteen has an interesting spin on this. It says that if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Of course, the focus here is on the Holy Spirit, but certainly on giving. God, as you have said, Helen, gives and gives. I note that um, in returning our responses to God of gratitude involves a lot more than offerings, of course, but we're focusing on offerings today. Um, one way, of course, of giving back to God is through offerings. And uh, our offerings offer the opportunity to express our gratitude and love. And what is Jesus' response, do you think, when we give all that we can back to him? You're talking not just giving monetary 
offerings here. Will, I'm picking up from that. I read a statement that said, How does God feel when we abuse our bodies and minds, stain his earth, and leave stains and scars on each other? If we look at it from the perspective that God has entrusted our minds, our bodies, our families, our church, and even the earth itself to us until his return, we see that to be a good steward is to care for all of these things. And with that perspective, we can use every bit to the glory of God. And I think that's the key there that we're not doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for love for him and to bring glory and honour to him. There was a, a statement I read about a selfish Christian that those two words don't go together. God gave us, you know, blessed us with talents, with mm. time, you know, for our lives to be alive today. And uh, that's another thing, how we use that uh, time which God uh, gave us. But most of all uh, was th those verses in Luke uh, talking about the uh, Holy Spirit. You know, God is the one which you mentioned a bit earlier that he gives, gives, gives. We as human beings, we have different tendency to just get, as you mentioned. But my understanding is that if we have God in us, the Holy Spirit present in us, then we can give in accordance with God's expectation. Mm. But if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, then we may, even if we give, we give with the wrong reason. I think that verse in, in Luke, it's really uh, bring it up a different dimension of how we can really follow God in properly giving back in this uh, context uh, our offerings, but we need to have the presence of God in us. I think, Nick, that the uh, the whole the, the point that you made there is actually a vitally important one because what we've actually got is a a God who has promised to give us the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is within a person, what seems to happen is their way of thinking actually changes. Um, and they're wanting to become like their God. They're wanting to become generous people. They want to be able to give. Uh, and they give in many different ways. Yes, you can give financially, uh, but they also want to give uh, their time to assist others. They want to give of their talents to be able to bless humanity. You know, as I think of this, I think of you know the Holy Spirit transforming a person's mind into the type of character that God would uh, would desire. Of course, our main focus today, um, whilst we can um, return to God giving generously of our means, our time, and our talent by offerings uh, and so on, I think that our focus today would be our response to God through our offerings as such. Uh, you know, I once heard it uh, said that a single grain of wheat by uh, repeated sowings can eventually fill an entire field. And it's amazing what God does with the little bit that we give him through offerings, the great work of God of helping the sick, preaching the gospel, reaches out further and further as a result of a small beginning. And I think that our offerings to God, our monetary offerings to God, we should leave those in his hands to multiply. As I once read, it's on the day when Jesus comes and welcomes the redeemed into heaven, we will see those who have, have accepted his grace and realize that those acceptances, those people saved, were, were there because of sacrificial offerings to a lot. I don't think that we even realize how far our sacrifice reaches 
touching souls all over the world. And I think that's deeply gratifying. And it's that sort of thing that makes us give more and more if we realize what the results are. But of course there is the concept of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Perhaps we should read the text in Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21. Uh, Helen, would you like to read that for us? Yes, Matthew I'd love to. 6, verses 19 to 21. Thank you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, surely we are. Uh, it's an indictment on us if we don't take care of ourselves here on earth as well and as our families. Temporal things, even though they are transient, shouldn't we really be looking after ourselves? Where does the fine line between giving to God and looking after ourselves? What do you think? And again, I'll, I'll just like to mention that we don't really give it back to God, you know, because God doesn't need our money we are called again here to be good stewards and for the advancement of his kingdom on this earth you know god is calling us to be a giver you know a grateful giver because these people in these days where their treasure is where they concentrated a lot and uh, towards this kind of thing they will uh, work all around to just double it up if our treasure is in heaven then whatever we do on this earth we do with that kind of thing in our mind that we need to build up our uh, treasure in heaven. You know, Nick, I appreciate what you're actually saying there. I think it actually brings up a, a larger issue here of when is enough enough? You know, there's been some very interesting uh, surveys done and, uh, and many people have actually responded uh, when, when asked, you know, how much would they like to earn? Almost everybody suggests a percentage, 10 or 20 percent more than what they are currently currently earning. And yet, in, in my, I know in my own life, I have to ask, when is enough? Is it enough? Um, uh, I suppose it goes to the one, uh, one word, contentment. When is it that as a society, at what point do, do I say that uh, I am content with the assets that I have. If I have a small house, is that sufficient? Do I need a medium-sized house, a large house? Do I need two or three investment properties on top of that? To what extent do I need to increase my asset base to be happy? I would suggest to you that uh, many people that I've come in contact with who've, who've actually grown up in very primitive societies have actually found incredible happiness even though they don't have uh, the assets that we certainly have uh, here in, um, in this particular country. So this, uh, this issue of when is enough enough and how can I learn to be content I believe are in fact very significant questions that as a society we actually are not addressing. Have you got an answer for it Gary? I do believe however 
that this is one issue that we do need to address, uh, the continual multiplication of assets I am not totally convinced within myself is is the greatest need of our society. Happiness, certainly from the scriptures, does not seem to come just from an accumulation of assets. There is far more to it. Gary, I find it interesting in what you're saying. I've been privileged to work pe- with people who have been dying and not once have I heard anybody say, I wish I'd bought a bigger house. I wish I'd bought another plot of ground. I would say pretty well, nearly 100% of them, it's I only wish that I had spent more time with my family and they were seeking for that joy and that happiness within their family. And I I think that puts things right into perspective and and we're admonished to seek, to set our minds on things above. Yes. You know, uh, just take our minds off of all the, the stuff Yes. that we have yes. and in what you're saying yes. I, I I was privileged to be in Papua New Guinea for many years and some of the people up there their whole wealth was wrapped up in a billum a string basket everything they owned and yet they were happy and they were content yes. I yes. know some millionaires in this world that are certainly not happy and certainly not content. Yeah. I certainly take yes. that point that you, you make there. I'm also a minister of religion and I've had a great deal to do with people at the end of life. And continually I would I, I would empathise and I would agree with you 100%. You know, when you're sitting with people uh, and their life is within days of finishing, not one of them turns around and says hey I wish I had worked harder I wish I had more assets each of them are saying hey you know where is my wife my children I wish I had spent more time with in relationship and and to me this is a very powerful issue when we're uh, we're dealing with this subject when I was first married I was terribly materialistic if somebody came along and broke a casserole dish that we got as a wedding present, well, you wouldn't want to be within earshot of me. And I was young, I was immature. When we were in the islands, we went through an earthquake. And I praise God he allowed that me to go through that earthquake because when the ground shakes under your feet, you cannot hold on to your material possessions. There is only one person you can hang on to, and that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Nothing, any, everything else on this earth, corruptible. And, you know, I think that was a very good lesson that I learned many, many years ago. I could walk away from everything earthly now and and not even look back. But back then, whoa. And I think there are people in this world that struggle, you know, with thinking, you know, I can't leave this or, you know, I need to have more, 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 more. And that's why they're not happy. They're not content in their lives. I think it's a very worthwhile contemplation, the delicate balance that there is between storing our treasures on earth and storing them in heaven. Could I ask, what does this, this term or this sentence, storing, uh, storing our investments or storing them in heaven, really mean? I mean, to the average person, uh, there is no bank in heaven, is there? How do you store your treasures in heaven, do you think? I think, Will, that is, that is one, of the, um, one of the most challenging questions you can actually, can actually ask. To me, what is actually stored in heaven is actually, I, I believe, is our character. And so when I am uh, called upon um, to, uh, to store my treasure in heaven, there are some things which are more important than financial treasure 
on on earth. Uh, for example, to me, generosity. When I am generous, uh, I am storing my treasure in heaven. Um, one of the things that Christ taught his disciples was, when you have done what you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you've actually done it unto me. When you have uh, helped the person on the street, it's been like doing it unto Christ. Uh, when you have um, spoken in a kind and affectionate manner to, to lift up somebody who is discouraged, it's actually like doing it uh, unto Christ. When you ha have given some funds to help, uh, to help the poor, to help the needy, it is like uh, doing it under Christ. What we're actually doing, what I think the scriptures are actually saying here, is that uh, in doing these things, we're actually changing the way we think, we're changing our character, and we are actually uh, building up a financial reserve in, uh, in heaven. That's... That's my, 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 humble, my humble thought. I, oh, sorry, go on, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say that I heard this story. I'm not 100% about the, the, which king was, but one of the kings of Europe, which was very wealthy, he left kind of a message for his uh, people. Then when he will die, when the, he will be carried, you know, uh, in the coffin, to be left with his hands out, you know, of the coffin, just to, sh to show all the people that he cannot take anything with him mm. from these earthly treasures. Now, as Will just pointed out, there will be people who don't have that concept of heaven. What's in heaven? Or uh, why are we talking about uh, storing our treasures in heaven? It's just because this, where your treasure is, can be a statement or can be a question. If we take it as a statement, where your treasure is, then that where your life ends. But if we have a treasure in heaven, then we have that hope, that we have that perspective of moving on, not just ending up here. And I think that's great to understand in this context of uh, being able to give, being able to store our treasures in heaven, which means we have a, a better understanding of life. Can I just add, um, I I'm, agree here, and especially, Gary, to what you were saying. I'd like to take it one step further, though, because we're talking about personal treasure, you know, as in our character and what have you. I think it goes a step further. You know, treasure are also the people that God has allowed us to serve. And, and to me, that's when we are reflecting Christ and they can see Christ in us and they want to know Christ. To me, that's a treasure you know, and store them up, that they will, I hope and pray, be with us when the Lord comes. And, and isn't yeah. that, um, I mean, I agree with you 100% there. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thought, Helen, because certainly in my life, I, I have found it's an amazing privilege to serve, uh, to be able to, to touch the lives of other people, mm -hmm. to actually see changes coming in the lives of, uh, of, of people. You know, uh, to me, I think of Galatians chapter 5, uh, St. Paul uh, writing, he talks about, you know, we, we were previously talking about the, the work of the Holy Spirit and what happens in the heart of an individual. Um, and according to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, as I think of the world in which I live, um, how much 
our world needs that fruit of the Spirit. You know, significantly, the, um, the Scriptures don't talk about those things, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These things are not listed as coming from some sort of a financial financial understanding um, because of some f- sort of financial gain, but rather they are listed as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are so many people who attempt to buy love. Can't be done. This is what uh, what, what Paul is, is talking about here, is something whereby the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. There are so many who attempt to actually get uh, um, uh, joy financially. Can't be done. Why? Because it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I think that uh, we can summarize by saying that uh, we bank in heaven by investing in the lives of others and investing in the great work of God. Because after all, our possessions on earth are really corruptible, aren't they? On earth, everything is unstable, uncertain and insecure, subject to decay, destruction, stealing and loss. But heaven is the opposite. Everything is eternal, durable, uh, secure and imperishable. In heaven there is no such thing as loss. And I think that um, whilst our, our material possessions on earth and our money may tug and tug at our soul, coerce and draw us, uh, we need to learn to focus more on, uh, on giving and helping. And this is where our offerings really come in. And just, Will, before you go further, uh, thinking of that subtitle, Stewards of the Grace of God. When uh, we are asked to represent God, we are also uh, entrusted, if you like, you know, with uh, God's grace. And Will, you just mention about other people, how to store treasures in heaven. It's, it's how we rel- relate to our neighbor, with those people which you already mentioned, some other parts of this world, other countries in big, uh, big trouble, and from a Western society, and we are sometime probably stuck into this mentality here. Thank God for uh, for what you gave us and how good uh, it is here, and we forgetting that we are here to really administrate whatever we possess mm. for the good of uh, mm. many, many other people. Mm, I think isn't grace the gift of salvation that he's given to us and we become stewards of that and we need to um, share that with other people. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's well said, uh, Nick. We give because we have received so much yeah. and especially because of the grace of God in saving undeserving sinners like us. Let's read uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8. Perhaps, uh, Gary, you could read that text for us. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, uh, again, one of the really um, wonderful passages of the Bible. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I think if you think very carefully of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, as you've indicated, Nick, should it not call for a response from us, not only of devotion, but shouldn't it also touch our bank balances? Shouldn't it also touch our time? Shouldn't we be able to, out of gratitude, give more to God through our offerings? Alas, 
in my own experience, I have realized that sometimes I skimp with God. I, uh, I look at my budget and then I think, well, I'm going to only give a certain amount to God in offerings. If I can get to the place where I say God has given all, um, why can't I give at least more to his great cause? I think it'll be a, a, there'll be a great change in our lives. Now, obviously, all of you have been tested um, in your giving, and um, I'm sure that the grace of God and the salvation that he has offered us so fully and freely has been an element in your giving. What has been your experience in giving to God as a result of, uh, of his grace and all that he has given to us? I think I think will in in my own case I, um, I there's a passage in the scriptures again that I that I truly truly love you know there's a um, and I think of the book of uh, Malachi Malachi is actually the uh, the old the um, the last book in the um, uh, in the old in the Old Testament and it's written about 400 years before the uh, before the birth of Christ, but there's a passage here um, which I which I absolutely love. In fact, it's a promise. Uh, God says through Malachi, "Try me now in this," says the Lord of Hosts. This is in response to giving. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it, I love this particular passage because what this is this is one of the great promises of the scripture um, it seems that God is saying I want you to be faithful and if you are faithful I'm going to open up the windows of heaven in such a way that you won't have enough space to be able to uh, to receive this you know I I look at this and this is actually written in the context and uh, if you have your Bible there it's actually found in, uh, in Malachi chapter 3 and uh, this this promise is one that in my life I have just seen fulfilled time and time and time again. Mm. Just coming to the question, well, uh, um, it's very very interesting uh, question and put you on the spot to answer uh, your own uh, experience. This can be also a factor of where you're coming from. In our situation here, you know, we have people like you guys, some of you just uh, Australians. Will, I know you're coming from South Africa. I'm coming myself from Romania, ex-communist country. And I was able to even travel to one of the smallest countries in, um, in Paci South Pacific, uh, Kiribati. And I could see the differences, you know, how people relate to riches, if you like. From my point of view, coming from a very small village in Romania and grew up very poor. I mean, we had a lot of land, but because of the communist regime, all our produce were taken and so on. And I, ex I know what that means to, to really struggle financially. But when I look back, I cannot match the happiness and the joy which we grew up and we have in not just as kids but the whole family we are so glad when we could get around the table and have a decent meal and just share our time together now when you look into a very wealthy society that's very difficult to answer you know that question will 
because I think we are tested more when we are dependent on God rather than when we are self-sufficient. Yes, you know, uh, Peter says, freely you have received, freely give. What a motivation. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we give freely. And, of course, God loves a cheerful giver. We have a very good, ex very good experience or a, an account uh, of the best offering of all, and um, that is giving more than what you really can afford. And the story is told in Luke chapter 7, verses 37 to 47. Luke 7, 37 to 47, the story of uh, Mary entering the room. Helen, would you like to read uh, those portion? There's 10 verses there, but mm. I think it's worthwhile reading. I'd love to because I just love the story of Mary and I relate a lot to Mary in, in many, many ways in, in the feelings of being overwhelmed with gratitude when you come to realize what God has done and how much he has forgiven. Luke seven thirty seven to 47 says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. That is a principle, isn't it? To oh, whom yes. little has been forgiven. What does read that last part again? Yes, it says, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So in proportion to what you receive or you perceive you receive, uh, that's how your response is in, in gratitude to give back mm. to God, is it not? It's a heart change, isn't it? it the Pharisee is. himself, Simon, although he was forgiven and he was healed of leprosy, I believe, it hadn't really touched his heart, had it? Mm. And he st was still harboring all these different thoughts and what have you. But here was Mary. She wanted to just lavish, as you used that word before. She wanted to lavish her love on Jesus, who meant so much to her. And this is and where this, so much. this same theme that we've, we've come back to it again. You know, this is about, I think, the third or fourth time. we've. Yes. But I think it's so important, this, uh, this particular theme. And that is that when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, 
what occurs is that there is a change in the way that they are thinking and yes. they want to uh, they want to become generous people uh, they want to become kind people they want to become gentle people they want to be people who have got self-control there are so many of these aspects that I'm so conscious as a pastor our world is in dire need of these issues it comes back to changing the motives of our heart doesn't it, it? back to yeah. the human changing the human yes. heart and this is if you like the can we call it the secret of Christianity? <laughs> it's the hidden secret of Christianity. Change, um, uh, changing your world is a matter of changing the heart, and that's what something that Christ yes. actually recognised, mm. and uh, um, and that's point, where yeah. Christ actually majored. Yeah. So I think the story that we have here in Luke about Mary is one that realised that she had been set free. And in gratitude to God, she no gift was big enough. That's wonderful. Uh, time is going quite fast today, and I thought uh, when we thought to deal with this subject, thought how we'll, uh, we'll tackle this, because it's not a very easy subject, but it seems like we are all uh, in fire, guys. And now I think it's just uh, the right time to take a short break. Please stay with us. This is Bible Study, a message of hope and good news for you. And ran a 
was a beautiful song with uh, Sandra Etterman and uh, today we are uh, talking about offerings of gratitude. Welcome back to our Bible study. This is a message of hope and good news for you. Will, I would like now to take it over to just go a bit further into this discussion and I think you are uh, going to approach the subject about the motives of the heart how we give in offerings and in our time or uh, talents, if it comes from the heart or is just something which we need to do? I think it's important for us when we're giving to analyze or assess what the motives of the heart really are. You know, we can give, be giving out of uh, compulsion or uh, out of necessity, but um, giving gradually grudgingly. I don't know if that's very good uh, for the heart as such. I, I think of the story of the widow and her mite. You know, you come to think about it, two mites is really very little in the coffers. How come Jesus says that this poor woman or widow has put in more than all? Um, how could he say a thing like that, do you think? I think we've got something here, Will, that is very much in uh, proportion to her to her income. She's actually uh, giving uh, significantly more uh, on a on a percentage basis than what the rich the rich are actually inclined to give. I mean, Christ compares it with a to a rich man 
who uh, came and gave out of his abundance, but he went away still with an abundant amount uh, in his bank account. Uh, whereas the poor widow did come and uh, and give a, a a significant proportion of all that she owned, she was going to notice the difference. Uh, th- this, I think, is saying something about um, a person's heart. You know, so many times um, I know I've had the I've had the privilege of going out on the um, door-to-door collecting for various charities. I can, I can think of half a dozen different charities that I have collected for uh, over, over time. And um, I, I've gone into many different, different areas. Sometimes they are uh, low socioeconomic uh, um, suburbs, sometimes high socioeconomic uh, suburbs. And you know, one of the most remarkable things to me is that on many occasions, I actually find that it's the low socioeconomic uh, suburbs where people are actually uh, significantly more generous than the high uh, socioeconomic uh, suburbs. Um, that's not saying that the um, that the donations are, are unappreciated in all suburbs, but uh, to me, this is something that has has really stood out to me in my my time collecting for for various charities. I think it's interesting when you look at the the two um, groups that Jesus is talking about here. There, here's this woman giving all she had, but she did not have anything left. And she had no means of making an income either. And here was the others, out of their abundance, they were able to go away and they still had something to live on and probably also invest and get more money from. So she literally did give her all. Mm. And um, I, I remember thinking it's how we give reflects our devotion to the one we are giving to. And obviously her devotion was such that she wanted to give her all. It wasn't out of duty. It wasn't because someone said, you have to. She gave it from the heart. And I think there was a lesson for all of us there. I think then that uh, the true motives, true motives, Jesus sees the true motives of the heart when we actually give. As you've said, Gary, some people give out of abundance. And, you know, giving out, out of our abundance doesn't really in uh, most cases require much faith because it's only when you start giving sacrificially uh, for the good of others and for the cause of God that um, and it impacts your budget that uh, you start having to depend on faith and trust in the Lord in your provision. I remember a treasurer one day counting the money uh, and I was uh, present in uh, a church money Uh, for the receiving in the morning and he made the comment that we had received a big offering today and um, I thought about that you know the big offering is uh, he was obviously talking about the amount of money that was on the table however if uh, the poor widow gave more than everyone else and gave a big offering for her surely the lowest count sometimes could be the biggest offering of all, if you know what I mean, in sacrifice. I think, Will, you've got actually a a really good point there because I think what's actually occurring is that uh, Christ here with this woman is actually commending a woman who is faithful in little things. You you know, sometimes we, uh, the accolades uh, in, in our world certainly go to those who are 
who are financially able to give millions of dollars. We might hear of some film star, some movie star, who's able to to give multiple millions of dollars to some worthy project, and that person uh, certainly gets uh, becomes a newsworthy uh, feature. Um, and yet, the person that Christ actually commends is the person who is faithful in little things uh, and is generous in little things uh, do you know to me that really says something to me about the character of our god and just to put a different spin on that even though it was just two little mites there for her was everything and uh, interesting enough that most of the people who give from their riches they give after they satisfy themselves. They have, they, okay, I have this, I, I had a good meal, or uh, I'm secured, you know, I have a good house, or whatever. And after that, they give something else, which could be a big amount of money in millions, as you mentioned, uh, um, Gary. But this widow, she gave everything what she had because she trusted God. She gave from her heart because she knew it's almost like Abraham, you know, bringing uh, his son to give it to God, you know, in sacrifice. How hard was that? And that's probably showing through this, uh, you know, uh, subtitle as we call it, motives of the heart. Can I jump in there, Nick, and just say something in defense of those people that do have a lot of money? There are some people, and no doubt there is even probably someone listening to us today, I don't want anybody to get the impression that we are condemning them because they have a lot of money and they just give some of it. Because as we've just said before, we cannot read the heart. Some of those people could well be given from a wonderful giving heart. And, and I think we must be very careful not to sort of put a standard there or judge them in any way. I remember many, many years ago, a lovely Christian man, um, some of you might remember the label W&G Records. He was the G part, Gillespie. And I have got to tell you, he, he had plenty of money, and yet he was the most humble man I think I have mm -hmm. ever met. Mm -hmm. He didn't store up treasures on earth he um you know he drove a, a bomby looking car really i was shocked when i found out who he was but he was so giving of himself yes. and and i think we need to be careful not to lump everybody into that boat you with me on that i think yeah. you what you're saying is 100 percent correct there and i certainly mm. wouldn't want to be misunderstood no. in that way no. because uh, I, I know that i'm i'm the pastor of uh, uh, of the adelaide city seventh day adventist church and um, I, I'm just so so conscious of the many people that we have in in that church who are actually who have been blessed and who are able to um, uh, who are able to provide financially. I'm aware of people mm. who are able to uh, to to give a thousand, two thousand, three thousand uh, dollars. Uh, and these people, some of the most humble people, I it. it People actually uh, would never recognise that they that they are wealthy. They don't drive expensive cars, mm. and yet when um, when someone needs a hand, when someone needs needs finance, when someone needs assistance, uh, they're actually on the front line to actually help these people. The um, 
I'm so conscious that the ability to be able to give money is actually, I believe, a wonderful blessing that comes from from God. Mm-hmm. So, and God, I believe, respects uh, those those individuals in the same way that He respects the uh, the poor woman yes. who actually had the yeah. two two mites. So I think you make an excellent mm-hmm. point there, Helen. Thanks, yeah. Gary. It's all about the heart, though. It is. It? it is. It is absolutely yes. all about the heart. That lady gave from her heart. Yes. The actions followed. You know what was in her heart, yes. and I think that's one of the keys to it. Yeah, I think Jesus the lesson we learn more. is one of unselfishness. Mm. Um, you know, I remember reading, "Selfishness will chill a heart that was once on fire for God." A selfishness can inflict uh, both the poor and the rich. But you know, the experience of giving to God as a result of salvation is something that makes our gifts given in a cheerful and uh, and willing way. Free will and generous offerings we give are as much a benefit to ourselves, the giver, as they are to those who receive them. To actually give is a great blessing. In fact, uh, what is the old saying? It is more blessed to give, give than, than to, to receive. receive. Mm-hmm. Personally, I find it very hard to accept a gift. It's just in my nature. But you know, I actually revel in giving uh, and watching other people receive ingratitude. What are you people like in that sense? I'd like to jump right in there, Will, because I was like you very much and still am to a degree until someone said to me when they they wanted to help me and I was pulling back and they said, are you not blessed when you give and you've helped many people? I said, yes, and they said, do not deprive me of a blessing also. Mm. And Mm. I thought there was a good lesson. There was a good lesson. Sometimes it's our pride that stops us from accepting that help. Yes, I think that is an absolutely vital point. You know, um, so much of our society today is actually calls us to be individuals, whereas in actual fact, um, scripturally, we've actually been established to function in community. As, as couples and then as families and then as a wider community. And that's the benefit of the church, uh, the church family. Uh, that means there are times when um, I uh, am going to need your help. And it's actually, it's actually takes a little bit of humility to say, hey, I need the help of somebody else. And there's an incredible blessing in helping a, a brother or a sister, a friend who is actually uh, in need. But by the same token, I've been called to assist others as they have need as well. Yes. So we actually function in community. And to me, this is the beautiful thing about the teaching of the Christian church and the teaching of the scripture. We haven't been called to be individuals. We've been called to function in community. And mm. they say no man is an island. Mm. Amen. Mm. Time is going very fast to, you know, to finish our program. Uh, just before we, we are closing, we are talking today about... Um, offerings of gratitude if you could just summarize in in few words in the next couple of minutes what that uh, really means to each one of us to to be grateful first of all but also bring it to god in in gratitude i suppose nick from my perspective the two key words out of this week's study is generosity and contentment they're probably the two key words to me because I believe I'm serving a generous God who gave his all, who then calls on me 
to be a generous person. So generosity, and the other one for me is contentment. Um, I, I believe there has been, um, I think the overlooked ethic in our society today is this whole subject of at what point can I be content with that which I have? Do I need more stuff and junk to accumulate in my garage. <laughs> that, I believe, is heart and core. I caught myself this week uh, making a list in my mind of all the benefits that I have gained from Jesus. You know, if you really come to think about the five senses that we have, roof over our heads, transport, the ability to read, understand, friends, family, once you start enumerating all of the wonderful blessings God gives you, you have to ask yourself, how do I respond to that great gift and kindness of our God? And necessarily, uh, it works out, or it ultimately works out that you want to give back to God in offerings and in time and so on. I believe that Christ asked our best, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. I believe he delights in our praise, he delights in our devotion, and the closer you come to him, the more you learn of his amazing love and what he has lavished on us. And then comes the gratitude and the love response in our hearts. I have also caught myself asking the question, what can I do besides my offerings and my money? Is there someone in need that I know about? Can I offer my time just as willingly as I offer my money mm -hmm. to the service of Christ? And you know, I don't believe we would take long to realize that there is just somebody out there who could uh, need help and encouragement. And uh, it doesn't take painful sacrifice to, to help somebody that is needy. Like a mother who looks down on her child, and if the child is in genuine need, do you think that mother gives grudgingly? Mm. God is the giver and the giver again. I think that we need to learn from him to not only in our financial lives, but in our time and in our strength and in our all of our abilities to be able to offer back to God what uh, would benefit society as mm. a whole. And you know, as uh, people saying that uh, time, it's money. I would probably say uh, in different uh, way, time is to know God. Mm -hmm. Today it's the time when we can show that amazing grace which was uh, shown to us through the verse which you just read, the golden verse in the Bible, John 3.16. Um, and uh, why not spend some time with those people who need us, who need some encouragement and uh, uh, make a difference in their lives today. Thank you very much for uh, uh, being with us. Uh, I'm just um, thankful to you guys, our panel here, being able to come share with us uh, this amazing uh, thoughts from the Bible. And I hope that all of you listening to us there, you'll choose today to live differently. You'll ask yourselves where your treasure is. Until next time, may God bless you. And don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.